Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to prep your vehicle. Maybe some things that you already have in there that you could be using for a survival situation. Or maybe you're going to get a list of things that you need to add to your car. Before we get into all the details, we need to give thanks. Glory to God that we have time, resources, and knowledge that we are able to make tools. Tools that we can then make other tools with that we can go use to make tasks easier. I know Brian and I, we've been doing some handyman work, and when you have the right tool for the job, not only does it make it easier, it makes you feel good. There have been, uh, there's been times where I didn't have the right tool, and it's such a struggle, it's stressful, it's painful, and so glory to God that we can truly make tools that we need to, to make things easier. You know what I love? If you're needing to do it, somebody's probably done it. Yeah. And if they've done it very many times, then somebody's probably made a special tool for it. So yeah. probably have a terrible example, but you could be thinking like uh Well, you had some of the oil change or something in your car. There was uh you had to have Yes. Yeah, a, a special yeah. Toyotas, you have to have a special wrench to pull the filter off right. of the oil filter off of the car. It's not just a normal yeah. oil filter <laughs> wrench. It's a special one just for that. But Maybe I'll, I'll use something a little facetious, like pulling a, uh, we'll say pulling a, a faucet off of a sink. Well, if you Google in today's world faucet puller, there's like some special tool for pulling a faucet. Like I just thought of one. When you and I were kids, we had to pick up walnuts by hand. Yes. And now you can go to almost any hardware store and they have these little cage-like, it looks like a, a caged wheel. And you roll it over roll and it and pick them. picks them all. That's for yeah. you. <laughs> like, yeah. how awesome is that? There is a tool for just about everything. That's really cool that you can get on the internet and think of an application and search by the application and bam, there's all these tools that people have invented to do that. Really neat. You know what I am thankful for is internet recipes. So I enjoy cooking and I sometimes I get tired of cooking the same thing over and over again. Or sometimes I'll think, man, I sure would like to make this. But I'm not a chef. I have no training by any means. So you could think of some sauce that you've heard of or that you've had at a restaurant and <laughs> have no idea how to make it or the 37 ingredients that went into it. But in today's world, you get on the internet, you can find whatever recipe you want. And I really have been enjoying lately finding some of those recipes and trying to make them and end up with some pretty good food that I would never end up with otherwise. So. Yeah, I failed in, in some of that. There. You'll get like the secret recipes, like the secret snickerdoodle recipe that some you, they weren't supposed to get out or the yeah. KFC chicken. Like you have all these secret recipes, even though I've got the secret, when I try to make it, it's still like <laughs> the same. It, it ain't as good. Oh yeah. I mean, even with the recipes, you make it and you're like, you know what? If I do Something's, this again, yeah. I'm going to tweak this and tweak that. Yeah. But that, that is part of the fun of cooking. But I have been enjoying uh, this time of year, looking for, you know, the, whether it's new crockpot recipes for the cold season, whatever it is, there are so many people online that have made some really good food and that mm-hmm. are way more intelligent and know more about cooking than I do to take some of that and make it and share it with other people. I, I, I don't know. I really enjoy it. Well, then I think you need to start making a cookbook for your family. Put a them all cookbook. together. Yeah, put them all together. And then when, when you... When we don't have internet anymore, you'll still have those amazing recipes. Yeah, I do try to save them, and if they are really good, I write them down on a note card, and I've got a little a little uh, tin recipe box that I keep in the cabinet with, with the real good ones written down. Boom. Boom. Done. So today we're talking about putting survival gear in your car. And the reason that we want to talk about this is I, I feel like most people have things in their car for their car. Yeah. Jumper cables, a little extra oil, maybe yeah. some windshield wiper fluid. Tire pressure gauge. A jumper box, tire pressure gauge. Some people have little compressors in there. We have all kinds of stuff to make sure that our car keeps going. But what about the most important thing about the car? You and your passengers. Yeah. <laughs> the people are more important than the car. Very few people actually have things in their car for the people in their car. So we want to talk about some things today to consider. Also, it's winter. 
And this is the time of year when most people do get stranded, whether it be snowstorms or ice, whatever. Right, right. It, this is the time of year that you hear those stories of drivers stranded for 30 hours and nobody had any water. Also, you and your family are getting ready to go to New Hampshire. Yes. You guys are going to be doing some driving around there, and they have already have a bunch of snow and are going to be getting more. So it's kind of near to what you and your family are getting ready to experience, and you want to share how you're preparing yeah. with the listeners. Yeah. You know, thinking about what in the past, I think people took things from their home to their next destination because transportation was not like it is today. Like, we'll even go back to the wagons. I mean, they took a lot of stuff with them when they traveled. And like fast forwarding to today, it's like we we know we can most of the time get in a vehicle and travel 100 miles and not need anything from home. Like right. it's it's that easy to, to either get back home or to find something around you. But there are these instances where you can't find anything around you or you can't get back home quickly. And that's, I think, what we're really wanting to focus, um, you know, there's going to be some stories I know that Brian's going to share of, of events that's really happened yeah. and taken place. But, you know, in those moments, you literally are with whatever you have in that moment right then and there. And there's no, I can go back or I can just run over here and get this. And right. so I think it's just really important to to realize that an accident can happen. Um, the craziest can happen, but it doesn't even require a crazy to happen. It can be just a backup on the interstate and yeah. you're stuck there for hours. Absolutely. I mean, that that's simple. That's not like you slid off the road in some crazy embankment and now your vehicle is, is in 12 feet of snow and hidden. You know I mean? That right. it, that could happen. It could be a, a bridge fell out on the interstate and the traffic yeah. is backed up for 20 miles. Sinkhole. And, and you're there for a day. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there are crazy things that happen, but it doesn't have to be crazy. It can be something very simple that shuts down our normal transportation routes like and we're not getting crazy here you can do a quick google search and find story after story after story of similar situations that we're talking about a couple things i want to be clear on we are not talking about bugging out we're not talking about getting a chipped uh, unchipped vehicle we're not talking about traveling from point a to point b because you're escaping a situation we're really just talking about daily preparedness yeah are are you prepared daily for if something happens to make sure that your family has the things that it needs, yeah, or just you. It may just be you. Most of the time, a lot of times, people are spending time in the vehicle by themselves. Do you have what you need if you didn't have anything but your vehicle for a couple of days? Yeah, and then and then to take it just one step further, if you are going to be traveling and going on a trip, what are some things that you could put in your vehicle that maybe you haven't yet? I want to make the a point here using Scripture. The reason I want to make this point is, which Ben, you and I are crazy. We are, we are weird. We'll 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 self-admit that, right? Absolutely. When you and I start talking about survival, when we start talking about making bug out bags and uh, storing water in your basement and food, there's really two camps of people. People roll their eyes at us, like never going to need that, or people that start asking us twenty questions. Those are really the two camps of people. So uh, what I want to share is for the people that are saying, why in the world would I ever want to do anything with survival inside my car? Why would I want to do that? And I'm going to read Scripture. It's Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 11, and it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider his ways and be wise. Having no guide or overseer or ruler, the ant provideth meat in the summer and gathereth food in the harvest. The ant has no idea that it needs repair. It has no idea that it could be in a survival situation. It can't actually think like we can, yet it is constantly preparing and storing food for a time of need. Yeah, I'll, you that, you stopped the date. I want to read 9. 9 says, How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? When are you going to wake up to this? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do right now is wake up. Wake yeah. up. Yeah, and and it's it's not we're not calling everyone sluggers, but the point is we should be planning. We should be prepping for a time of need because you know what happens when a time of need comes and you haven't prepared or planned? 
you're going to have to rely on other people. And that is not a fun feeling. That is, that is a really vulnerable place. And if other people aren't there or they don't have a heart to help, well, then you are out of luck. So plan for yourself, take care of yourself. And that's what we are here to help you do with this podcast episode today. You know, Americans spend, what is it, about an hour a day? On average, the average American spends a full hour a day in their vehicle. And so that's just daily living. If you're planning on traveling, you need to know your route. You're going to need to know how long it's going to take for you to get from point A to point B. You don't really need much for an hour. No. If that's all you're going to spend, you don't need a whole lot. You don't need much. But but that hour could turn into Yeah, it could turn into days for sure. Absolutely. And that's kind of what I want to start with is, is... First off, start looking at what do you already have in your vehicle that you carry with you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to weigh your vehicle down to where it's just packed out, can't see out your windows because you're worried something's going to happen. But look at what is already present in that vehicle. I don't need to have anything in my vehicle. I have a credit card. I'll just buy it. <laughs> yeah. You know, normal, everyday living, you just having some money to stop and purchase something is great. But that is not the types of situations we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about situations where you're driving down the road and you come to a complete stop mm-hmm. and you're not able to move again for hours. Yeah. And, but, and that comment was a comment someone actually made to us. Yeah. 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 I, I was actually trying to, to talk with this person and just say, hey, have, have you thought about what you have in your vehicle on your trip? Do you have food, fire, shelter? Yeah. Do you have water? Do you have food? And do you have something for, to keep you warm or fire? Like, do you have that? And I think, I think because of the blessings we have with where we live, we know that if we need something, we usually can just drive somewhere and go pick it up and mm-hmm. get it. But the, in these situations, it don't matter how much money you have, it ain't going to do it for you. you, you money ain't going to fly, mm-hmm. you know. If it did, then then you're already rescued. I mean, you're unless safe. you got <laughs> unless you got cash and you're lighting on fire, right? Or maybe, yeah. I don't, yeah, burning money. I don't. Does money burn very well? I've never burned it. I've, <laughs> I ain't going to try. I think that's a crime. Correct. All right. So what do you have in your vehicle? You know, we, we've shared some things. Um, and we talked about maybe having the air pump. But something that I carry in my vehicle that I have is it's called a jumper box. And that's kind of that start looking at what you already have that may be usable for if something happens. And the one thing I can think of right now that I have already in the vehicle that I haven't, wouldn't have already packed is that it's a jump box. It's, um, there's all kinds now. Um, several years ago, they were so expensive and they were really heavy and big. And now you can get them down. Um, matter of fact, <laughs> they've got them now to where you can plug them into your cigarette lighter inside your car and jump your vehicle without even popping the hood. Like, there are so many of these devices now, but something that I can use to power whether I need to get my vehicle going again or I need to keep my cell phone or my electronic devices going to help extend um, the power in them. You know, And so if you already have those, then check those off your list. But what we're always going to focus around is what we've shared, shelter, water, food, fire. And then there's some other things that I feel we should carry that aren't going to be in that four. And I'm going to kind of just share with him right now. That's for me, it's going to be first aid. We're looking also at rescue. Like what signaling devices might you have? Next is that self-defense, which Brian and I, we are really passionate about self-defense. Some people may feel that they don't need some of the self-defense items. So we may, we'll be able to talk about a couple that you can take that are less invasive, I'd say. And then another one is what I'm going to call hygiene. But if you are in a vehicle, if you're if you're in this vehicle for several hours, yeah. where are you peeing and where are you pooping? Just hold your toots. <laughs> How many people's with you? Hold your toots, guys. <laughs> What's happening in that car? So those are those are kind of the high level things that we're gonna quickly discuss. Yeah. Food, fire, shelter, water, all of our survival programs, all our survival discussions, that is what we call the core four. We're always talking about that. And so we can just kind of start going down those of how you can keep those in your car, how you can provide for those core four areas in your car year round, winter. You kind of do have to adjust that based on the season, depending where you live. You know, for us, we get the extremes. We get, we fully get summer, 100 degree plus. We fully get winter, zero and under, negatives, and full spring, full fall. So we do have to adjust what we keep in our vehicles. 
Otherwise, it will be spoiled and, and not good, especially talking about food, water, those kinds of things. I want to start with food. What I want to say here is to keep it really, really simple, because odds are, you know, the rule of threes with food falls three weeks. You can you can survive three weeks without food. Now, you're going to feel absolutely awful. You're going to start making poor decisions after a few days without food. Uh Food yeah, is great to have, but drives keep, your emotions. I mean, you you get emotional. Yeah, absolutely. You're angry, as people talk about. So but. you're gonna feel better. You're gonna have probably more hope in the situation if you have food. But keep it simple. There are so many non-perishable things that can provide you enough nutrition to get through those times. A box of protein bars, granola bars, some peanuts. Nuts keep really well in a vehicle. Anything that you can keep that doesn't have like sugar on it is going to last longer. It's not going to melt. Uh, when it gets a little hot and then and then re-solidify, things that have protein and fat to them are really great. I usually keep, like, I'm going to say one or two protein bars mm-hmm. in my truck. What's good about them is I usually will end up needing them. Oh, I drove out here to this program and I forgot breakfast and I'll eat it real quick. So it's good to have even just to be handy, but then yes. you need to replace it. But just keep one or two things because if I'm stuck out there for three days... For one person, one or two protein bars is plenty to keep me going and fully functional for that time, especially if I'm not really active. Yeah, and and if you're going to plan on a trip, then take a cooler um, and put some snacks in it. I mean, actually, snacks don't even have to be in a cooler. But um, take a snack bag. Take something um, that you and your family can... Yeah, like, and if you have kids, you obviously know that that is a requirement to keep <laughs> yeah. them from driving you crazy. Snack bag. It is nice to have a snack bag, even for me, for sure. I mean, from Snickers to peanuts to um, the granola bars you're talking about, um, there's so many different kinds out there. Grab your favorite, grab a couple boxes, and and slap them in the, yeah, in the vehicle. Even uh, preserved meats like beef jerky these yes. days, that's a great thing to keep in a vehicle because it it doesn't spoil. Try to get some of those ones again that are low in sugar content. They will last a really long time as long as you have them in a sealed container. And try to keep them somewhere in your vehicle that they are out of the sunlight. Keep them in the glove box, in the center console, under a seat, something like that. That will help them stay better longer too. Plus, you won't have uh, people trying to steal it from you and eat it. Yeah, I mean, basically on your list, non-perishable foods. Yep. Take that. And keep it simple. doesn't have to be a lot. Something that doesn't take up a lot of space. Something that is a grab-and-go thing. That when you need it, you're like, oh my gosh, yep, that's in there. Let me grab that real quick. And it'll bring you a lot of joy in that moment when you really, really need it. A lot of hope. Uh, next, I want to talk about water. Mm-hmm. Water is probably the most important one. And kind of once we get to shelter, I'll explain why I think water is the most important one here. Water, you can really only go three days. But man, you really start feeling headache not able to make a full thought, almost angry. What am I going to do when you don't have water? So I always keep my minimum that I keep in my vehicle as one full liter if it's just for me. Right. I try to right. keep a handful, like five or six water bottles stashed somewhere plus my liter of water for if I have other people. Again, just like with food, I usually end up using them and having to make sure that they get replaced, but that's that's okay as long as you're replacing them because all that stuff is staying fresh. If you're storing your water in something that is plastic, like if you're just putting water bottles, please make sure they are out of the sunlight. That will actually put plastic into your water, and then you're going to be drinking plastic water, which isn't great for you. It's better than not having water, but try to put them in a, in a place that is cool and dark in your vehicle. Yeah, I mean, I'm going I'm to take a cooler. Um I've got some family. They they travel. Uh, my sister actually lives up. Well, up for a road Columbus. trip, I'm talking about just daily. Yeah. You don't keep a cooler in your truck every day. No, I don't. But I actually keep uh, a little bag, and I've got four to six waters in it that stays under my, my truck seat. Yes, um, sir. Because I'm not always in survival mode, but I am trying to save money. And there'll be times where I'm like, man, I, I really need a drink. And I would used to just swing by the gas station, run in, and, and it's like three bucks a bottle now. Buy a case and, and leave them in there. I mean, yeah. leave the whole case. A case is like three bucks of <laughs> yeah. like 40 I mean, waters. And so, uh, but you can also take a cooler. And I know uh, people, especially uh, uh, men that work outside and, and go to work every day in, they in keep their trucks. A cooler, yeah. They keep a cooler in the back or, or wherever. And uh, yeah, they, they just take waters every single day. It saves money, but you always have plenty of water. And then too, when you're having a cooler, if, if you are using ice, 
that water inside that cooler could possibly be drinkable if you go through your ration. Mm-hmm. So um, in a survival situation, you may have even extra there to use as well. Yep. So it seems simple just to say keep water in your vehicle, but a lot of people don't do it. Even if it's just one extra water bottle, you need to have that in your vehicle. Really, I mean, water is the most essential. Outside of keeping water, I like to have the option of if I run out of water or maybe I didn't replace it for some reason that I can get water. And so in my truck is always a metal cup that I could boil water in and I always obviously have a way you're going to have to have fire, which we'll get into next. But I also keep in my truck um, some purification, those PNG purification packets that if I needed to collect water and purify it with those packets that I could, if you were in the snow, you could melt water in your metal cup. You could purify it. You could boil it whatever you needed to do, but I also like to have a way that I can collect and purify my own water, make it drinkable outside of what I already have in there. Yeah. And like Brian said, there are, there are a lot of options, even just a filter. Um, if that's all you have, that's all you have, but everybody, all these, mostly women, I've seen a few men, but mostly women have Seems like every year it's a different kind of cup, metal cup. insulated mug. Yeah. This year I think it's Stanley is the yep. one that's with the, the most popular the with the straw, uh-huh. the Stanley straw. Yeah. Even if you just always kept one of those in your vehicle, you can collect and boil water in that. Yeah. But you have to have it in there. If you don't have something, if you just have plastic bottles and plastic cups, you're not going to be able to collect water. So I like to have a way to make sure that I can also collect if I use all the water I already have. You know, Creek Stewart, he's a survivalist teacher. If you haven't heard of him, check him out. Really, he thinks outside the box. He has given me so many ideas that I've never come up with on my own. Um, you know, with those plastic bottles, when you're talking about melting snow, we don't drink urine in a survival situation. Don't think, it's, don't think it's wise. But if you were to pee in one of your plastic water bottles, and you're able to collect snow in any kind of container, when you set that bottle of, of closed off urine inside to where it's touching your clean snow, your body heats your urine up to your body temperature before you release it. And that is warm enough to melt snow. And so it's a great way to melt the snow if you didn't even have um, a flame or a fire going. Yeah. So can you, can you, if you melt that snow, can you drink it without purifying it? Is that safe to drink or should you purify it too? I mean, if, if you have the means to purify, then absolutely purify it. If, if you don't and that's all you have to drink, I'm going to tell you to drink it. However, if there's any kind of discoloration, if it's black, if it's red, um, red because there's fungus that grow, that, that actually is out on, on snow in some areas. Um, if, if it's yellow, your if bottle leaks. If it's your yellow, leak your bottle, you didn't put your <laughs> lid on tight enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it, again, if you have a way to purify your water or filter it, do those. Do those things. Take that extra step. If you don't, and that's what you got, make for sure there's no discoloration in your water. Yeah. Yep. Well, well. next, if we're talking about possibly boiling water in something that is metal, a metal container to purify it, you obviously need to have a way to start a fire. Now, most people are going to be like, well, yeah, I'll keep a, I'll throw a lighter in there. It's actually not recommended. I know a lot of people, someone listening to this right now has a lighter in their vehicle it is not recommended, especially anywhere that gets, I forget what the low temperature is. It's its lower than you would think it is. It's like 50 or 60 degrees. Plus with the sun, lighters can actually explode in vehicles. Now, most people have them tucked away in someplace dark in their vehicle, like a, in the center console or something. So they don't do it. But there are vehicles that have burned down or vehicles that have been damaged. It's actually more frequent than you think because these lighters combust they explode because of the expansion of the gases inside the plastics you aren't really supposed to keep lighters in your vehicle so ben and brian's favorite if you've listened to very many meant to be outdoors podcast episodes keep a ferro rod in your car yeah i mean what you're talking about let's say that it didn't explode because it expands it actually moves the plastic it's a plastic housing and that's why a lot of times you'll go to to find a lighter that's empty like how did that thing it Mm -hmm. isn't because you held the button down it's because it, it couldn't contain it anymore. Yep. It leaked out uh, past the seals. And so, oh, you know. That would be such a bad feeling if you thought, oh, man, I do have a lighter. Let's get a fire going here on the side of the road so I can get some water clean. And then you found yeah. your brand new lighter was empty. Now, the spark that your your lighter is throwing is a version of a ferro rod. And tiny one. You can use it. It's just that spark is nowhere near the 
what a ferrorod degree right. is that that uh, the temperature that you're going to get from the heat that you're going to get from that ferrorod is is uh, so much higher than your little bic lighter your little and a ferrorod is like pretty much indestructible besides using it two thousand times or yeah. however many strikes yeah. left in it it can be wet it can be hot it's tiny i mean yeah. we're talking about maybe the size of a half of a pencil on average They've, is the size of ferro they make them now that, yeah they make them now that's the size of a thumb they're huge so, thick i mean there's so next many. time you're at walmart go down go down the camping aisle grab a ferro rod or two or three put one in each of your vehicles keep one in your backpack have them around because this that is a fire starting tool that if you practice just a few times it's pretty easy to use. They're pretty much indestructible. They're very, very reliable. And just the peace of mind for me, knowing that that's there, if I need to get a fire, I always have that there. That I, it, it, it really brings peace. Yeah. And kind of back with that water side, We on the water side, though, you can buy, um, there's a brand called Nalgene, um, but there are so many different brands out there that are BPA-free to yep. where... You can fill them with water and, and BPA free plastic. Yes. Yeah. And uh, fill them up with water and, and leave them in there for a while. Yeah. You know, if you want to go the cheapest route, it is to buy, you know, a 32 ounce water bottle, fill it up at home out of your faucet, and then stick it under your seats, uh, fill up three or four of them, mm-hmm. leave them there for as long as you want. Right. So, but in the event that you have to find clean drinking water, yeah, we're going to have to move to, to a purification, to filtration or or within purification, looking at boiling it. Yeah, I want to make clear: if you're making a fire to boil water, oh, I'm gonna do it in my seat. Get out of your vehicle. <laughs> make sure you crack don't, the windows. Don't do it in the bed of your truck. <laughs> don't do it on the hood. Don't do it underneath. Step away from the vehicles. You'll probably have to do that to collect some stuff to make the fire anyway. But in most situations, if you are stranded in your vehicle, wherever you're at, you'll be able to collect enough things to make a fire that is substantial enough to uh, boil some water. And you're probably yeah. not making a fire for heat reasons because you're going to be staying in your vehicle. Don't ever make a fire in your vehicle, ever. You're really just doing it to maybe purify some water, probably not even cook food. Really just you're really just purifying water. That should be the only reason to do it. Step away from your vehicle for that. Yeah, and you know we're, we're getting on extremes on this. Let's go back to simple. Take a cooler of water, take a bag of snacks, and... In the event that you have to sit there and wait for a really long time, you are good. Yeah. I mean, you think about, we talked about the rules of three, so three days without water. Let's say that you you skip the day of drinking to ration it out. I mean, that's still survivable. That's doable. It's just not comfortable. Yeah. Most of the situations that you see out there in today's world, because care and, and, and help is so close, and because of technology and, and plow trucks and everything that we have today— a couple days really usually is the max of being stranded because of a, a winter situation. So if you keep a little bit of food and a little bit of water in your vehicle, you're going to be good. You're not going to have to start a fire and boil water. But we're just saying if you really want to have a little bit of redundancy, mm-hmm. you really want to be secure, these are small, little, tiny, cheap things that you can put somewhere in your vehicle and never even see them again unless you need them. Right. You know, Brian, with you talked about with with everything that we have nowadays i just think it keeps a right mindset because it keeps the panic down you know it was yesterday i was heading into um springfield it's one of the bigger cities that i live next to right and we came up to a stoplight and this thing wasn't changing and it kind of started feeling awkward like this thing ain't going. I was about the sixth car back, and there's three lanes. And so it was starting to back up, and I kept looking at my rearview mirror, and it was backing up all the way to the, the stoplight that we'd already went through. And I thought, man, I, somebody just needs to go. You know, I mean, there's no other traffic coming on. Like, the people in the front need to go. But it actually made me realize, like, if those people don't move, I'm stuck here. Yep. There is no way I can I can I can't back out of here. I am in the middle lane. I am here. All these highways have these concrete medians and guardrails now, and a lot of times you really are where you are. Yeah. And and so let's just say that that the weather was bad enough that it we had a couple slide arounds and we got stuck there and you cannot move your vehicle. I'm gonna have a peace of mind knowing that I have water and some snacks. Mm-hmm. 
in my vehicle right there for me and my family. I mean, that, that just, that takes the panic right away. I mean, okay, well, it stinks that we have to sit here, but we can hang out for a while, Yeah, you know? And that's what we're trying to share here. Like, it is so simple. Just pack some items with you. Even though you have a credit card, you may not be able to, to drive from that spot to go get what yeah, you need. None of the stuff we're talking about is difficult or extreme. It's just little, simple, pretty affordable things yeah. that you can do. You know, Ben, the one part of the core four we have not covered yet is shelter. And typically, when we teach the core four, we prioritize shelter at the very top. And I've said in this episode that for, for this particular scenario, we're pri- prioritizing water as number one. And the reason is because with shelter, you're in a car. Yeah. That, that is, is your best shelter. shelter. Yeah. You ask the question at a lot of our survival programs, we'll be standing out in the woods or a field, or a lot of times we'll have kids that have just gotten off of a bus and we've walked a few hundred yards from a bus and you say, hey, kids, if you guys had to survive out here tonight, where would you go? And most of them are like, oh, it looks like there could be a cave over yeah, there. Let's go they, over there. Or They all want to go to the cave. There's a big tree. We can hang <laughs> up in the tree. And then you'll have one person that like doesn't say anything. And then all of a sudden they're like, I'm going to the bus. Yeah. And that's the answer that's you're the looking answer. for. Yeah, like, that's the correct answer. If you're already in a shelter, don't leave the shelter. Yes. If you leave your car, one, you probably don't know where you're going. Two, whatever shelter you go make is not going to be as good as the one you just left. Correct. And- if your vehicle's wrecked or damaged and, and it's no longer a shelter, that's when you're going to have to get to the side that we teach of, of wilderness survival, of how am I going to go out and, and even if it's plastic you rip out of your seats to go make your shelter with, you know, those are things that are important to think through and I think to possibly know how to go do. But for this, we're talking about you're staying with your vehicle yeah. Um, you're with it. That is your shelter. That is how you're going to be found by because that's what you're traveling with. Um, but the shelter, even, even if you've slid off the road, yeah. a lot of times cars will roll over halfway and land on their ceiling. Stay in the car. Well, yeah, stay with it. Stay with your car. Stay with it. I, I would unbuckle and get out of the seat. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe, maybe flip over. Oh, uh, but you know. That that still may be your your number one protection for shelter. It yeah. it definitely could be, um, but yeah, be cautious in that. I mean, that's there are so many things inside that vehicle that you can use for survival until someone comes to help. Um, but it is your number one line of shelter is your vehicle. Your second in this case is going to be your clothing. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of us when we travel in the winter months, we don't wear all of our thick layers that we're going to go out in the snow in, you know? Well, no. Um, On the way to the gym to play basketball, I'm wearing shorts shorts, and a t-shirt, even if it's 20 degrees out. Right. No, absolutely. And so no matter, (laughs) no matter what you're wearing, you should have packed some clothing that's going to assist if you have to get outside of that vehicle. And it's going to assist if you can't leave your vehicle running. Right. If you have to turn your key off, it's cold enough that there's snow or or, um, just the temps are, are dropping you're going to want some layers inside that that shelter. You know, yeah. something that is very popular in our area, and I'm sure a lot of other areas that get cold and have snow, people throw a blanket in the back of their car. Yes. That is such a simple thing. You, How many people have extra blankets just laying around their house or a, a ottoman that's closed that's packed full of seven blankets that your aunt has got you for the last seven Christmases? Boom. Throw one in your vehicle and just yeah. leave it in there. Right. That's that, just leave it in there. It that's can be insulating used for, layer. Yeah, that's yeah. a full insulating layer. On top of that, I always keep an insulating layer, a jacket in my truck right. year round. I find one, I keep one in there that is synthetic that I'm not going to miss from my wardrobe. It's not something I'm going to wear a lot. I keep it in there. Again, you'll find if you put it in there, you're going to end up using it. You'll use it throughout the year. Oh yeah, I have that jacket. I needed it right now. I'll throw it on. But when you're done with it, make sure you roll it, fold it, whatever you do, stick it back where you got it so that it's always in there. Lastly, always have a waterproof layer, a tarp, a rainproof jacket, yes, some ponchos. Have something that will block wind and rain. Maybe your window's busted out. Maybe you do know, need to go get medical help for yourself or someone else. Have that last layer that blocks the wind and the rain because... The wind and the rain are trying to steal your body heat, and if you can block them, you're going to have a lot better chance of surviving. I mean, a tarp is one of my favorite things to to just have. It's 
you can even use that tarp to collect rainwater if you had yeah. to. I mean, it's there's just so many uses for a tarp. Um, but with that said, though, if you have already created a bug out bag and you are in a hurry, your bug out bag should have these items that we're talking about. That is something that you could grab and put in your vehicle with you, um, which is super fast and easy. Yep. So if you're like, what's a bug out bag? I don't know. You got to check out. We've actually talked about bug out bags in a couple of our podcasts. So mm-hmm. check those out. Um, but if you don't own a bug out bag, you don't already have it packed, then start thinking through food, fire, shelter, water, and start, yeah, loading it up in your vehicle. Now, you mentioned a couple other categories that most people probably aren't thinking about. And the, the first one I want to address is first aid. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and inside first aid, even if you're not trained, I want you to think about what do I need in first aid? And this is here is where I'm going to say medications. There may be medications you need daily. Um, something that I like to always have with me is ibuprofen. It is a lifesaver for me. <laughs> um, Again, one of those things you probably use and have to replace if it's in your vehicle. Absolutely, yeah. But it's it's one of those that you don't realize you need it until you're just literally hurting. Yeah. Um, so that is one thing. You I'm, know what? I think when you get in my truck, you say, you got any ibuprofen in here? <laughs> well, I just want to make sure. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen uh, along the way? So, uh, you know, your medications, what is it that you need? Your contacts, glasses. Yeah. All those things that you're going to need if, if you're going to have to spend several hours or perhaps several days mm-hmm. um, somewhere. Yeah. Think through your medication list. If if you have a medication that is on your list that you have to take daily to preserve your function or even your life, yeah. make sure that you have extras, even if it's ones that are out of date, keep them in your vehicle so that you have an emergency source for those those life-saving medications if you know that you're going to need them because you you don't ever know when you're going to be stranded with your vehicle. Other ones I want to talk about is ones that could provide immediate care if you were in an accident. So if you were in an accident and that's the reason, maybe you drove off a, a, a an embankment yep. and, and you're stuck down there, maybe you're cut open. Maybe you have a laceration or someone in your car does. At least have the basics to stop a bleeding wound because that is life-threatening. I mean- I forget what is the uh, a half a can a half a soda can of blood is considered a life threatening bleeding wound. At least right. have the basics: some gauze, some uh, coban, something to apply pressure to stop a wound from bleeding out. Simple, small, cheap, something you can keep in your vehicle. It's going to last a long time too. You know, uh, there's feminine products that you're that if depending on who's with you in your vehicle, but if they're already having that with them and taking that with them. Those are devices you have if you don't want to put them in your first aid kit. However, I always carry a couple in the first aid kit because they that is what they are designed for. Yep. And uh, so they're great to use for for those And again, this situations. is all stuff you can shove behind a seat or right. under a seat. This isn't stuff that has to be out and about. Uh, all this stuff is pretty small. You should be able to find space for it in your vehicle. Another thing, I think that uh, having some allergy medications – is always good because yeah. if somebody has an allergic reaction and you can't get help, Benadryl, just having some Benadryl handy it's is so a life-saving good. thing. It it's so simple. It's so cheap. Again, um, this may kind of be the next level, but I do keep this in my truck and it's a way to stabilize a fracture. Yeah, I've had several fractures in my life and it is something that um, can really... If a fracture happens, being able to stabilize it and calm a person, one, it can save a limb, you could save a life, but you could just save the whole situation for everybody by yeah. being able to get this person cared for. So something well, to stabilize you can look up with. Sam Splint, and that's going to give you an idea of what he's carrying with him. And, yep. and there's a lot of different brands, so pick, pick the one you like. But SAM, Splint, look that up, and that's exactly what we're talking about there that you could carry with you. I want to add one other thing before we move on to signaling devices. If you have children, I keep what is called a de-choker in my vehicle. Choking, you never know when that's going to happen. And it is specifically made for children. It's like a mask. You put it over their face and you pull. And it's like a plunger. You can pull things out of. And they have shown uh, how much more effective it is than actually Heimlicking. And so I keep one under my seat all the time. Um, that is really not really so much for a survival situation, but 
just for an everyday. Well, it's for survival. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is definitely I mean, for survival, but not so much a stranded situation. Right. Right. Exactly. So, um, what about s- signaling devices? Yeah, signaling devices. You are in a situation where there is no one around to help you. You know, let's talk about maybe you're out on the interstate, everyone's stuck. You're not going to get something out and start being like, help, 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 because there's what, 200 people that are all stuck there with you? You know, when you think about signaling devices, you're lost. There isn't people around to help or to call out for to get help, right? And so think through what. What are some signaling devices you may already have in the vehicle? Um, one that I carry all the time, it's my, my number one for a vehicle, is called a flare. The flare, they are they are actually getting more and more um, expensive. But uh, a flare is, whew, there's so many uses for it, and signaling is one of them. You know, Ben, a flare is not something that I have in my vehicle, but maybe that is something I need to look into to consider one of the stories that I'm going to share here in a minute is is about someone who their vehicle was not visible. And people, the reason they could not find this person is because their vehicle wasn't visible. So being able to make yourself visible, almost always, whatever vehicle situation that you're in, if it's a survival situation, you are going to want to be found. It is very rarely an evade situation. Correct. So having a device that can actually be signaling is great. Now, obviously, you have sound signaling, you have your horn and maybe you have a gun you can shoot off, but something that is visible, I think that is really, really powerful because you may hear somebody looking for you or uh, maybe people are far away that couldn't even hear your sound. But if you can get that up, visible, bright, yeah, I probably need to add that to my survival kit. I mean, th- those are the two things that you're trying to to master is sound and sight. Um you know, for the people that are on the ground that can't see from above, they're listening for you. The people that are above, they can't hear you. They're looking for you. Mm-hmm. And so how can you obtain those two? With a flare, you're only going to cover that that site. You know, you're not going to make sounds. But because of the uses for a flare, whether it be from boiling water to, um, well, there's a lot of, there's others. But I just love a flare. And I'm going to talk about one more thing about a flare in our next. Yeah. But some other signaling devices. Um flashlights yeah uh, you and i carry flashlights on person every day i never don't have one yeah i also have a flashlight that i leave in my vehicle um, but that's it i don't carry more than that yep they're both rechargeable so i have to be diligent in charging them when i know i've used them mm-hmm. um it may be if you don't want to take that step and, and remember every week to charge your flashlights then buy flashlights that take batteries yep. and then just make for sure you take extra batteries leave them in your vehicle and you would be good for well, long enough yep. to and take a, care of what you a need. A lot of these LED flashlights these days have a strobe setting on them so that could catch someone's attention with the strobe. Um, I like to keep a flashlight that has AA batteries because, one, that's probably the most common battery type. So if you didn't have batteries and you needed to somehow acquire some, maybe get some from another person, that might be what they have. But I also always have an extra set of AA's. I always have at least two, usually three or four brand new AA batteries somewhere in my vehicle so that I can replace that flashlight. That's how valuable it is to me. Not only is it signaling, uh, it could just be safety. Maybe you're on the side of the road and and you need to change a tire or uh, you're changing a battery out and you don't have lights on your vehicle. A a flashlight, uh, just a small little tiny two or three inch flashlight is worth 10 times its weight in gold. I think it is so important to have a flashlight in your vehicle Always. You know, everything that we've talked about at this point would all fit into a duffel bag, into a backpack. And that's why I know I know we've listed a lot of items and we've we've said things from the console to the glove box to the back of the truck. Yep. But I'm telling you everything that we've talked about from tarp blanket and everything down, it would all fit in a backpack and set in the seat. You could probably almost smash it under your seat. Yeah. Um it doesn't take a lot. No. So Every, everything we've talked I mean, about You're so not going to put a cooler in there, but you can put, you're not going to have cold water. Great. Right. Who cares? Actually, it's actually more beneficial for you to drink room temperature water. Your body begins to absorb it faster and they don't have to cool it down or heat it up, the liquids inside. So something that's at room temperature is better to drink than having a cold, cold so water. Pea warm snow would be perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That tip's going to be stuck in everyone's brains after listening to this episode. 
Um, rechargeable battery packs are good too. Those right. are cheap these days. You can go on Amazon and get them. Um, but they, they hold two, three, four charges for your phone. You may be able to charge your flashlight up off of them, keeping one or two of those in your vehicle, making sure they're always fully charged so that you have a source of power for your signaling devices, yeah. for your communication devices, keeping those extra, um, their lithium ion battery packs. Again, they need to be stored away. They don't need to be out in the sunlight. You know, my flashlight that I leave in the truck, it it can charge my cell phone as well. Mm-hmm. But it's that it's that flip of the coin of are you gonna what are you gonna give that battery power up for? Right. Yep. But earlier in the in the podcast, I talked about having these booster boxes or these jump boxes to to jump your vehicle if your battery was dead. Yeah. You know, in these cold temperatures, it can zap your your car battery, mm-hmm. and to have a backup battery for your car is perfect. Yep. Plus. Having these jump boxes, these booster boxes, they have the USB ports on them now to where you could charge your phone with them. So you would need to double up on some of this if you already have it. Um, but again, look at what you already have in your vehicle and then start offsetting, adding to um, what you don't already have. Yep. Now, our last category before we wrap up is probably, uh, I don't know if controversial um, is the right word, but probably there's two extreme camps here. People that one are either uncomfortable going into this category, or there's probably people that go way too far (laughs) into this category too. And we're talking about self defense. Now immediately people are going to jump straight to a gun. And you know what? If you are comfortable, you know how to be safe and responsible with a gun and you are willing to use it the way that it needs to be used. And you're trained to do so then by all means, carry a gun in your vehicle or on your person. I will say this. I know several people that carry guns in their vehicle that it makes me uncomfortable that they're in their vehicle because there are kids around or kids and their family. If you're going to have a weapon that is not on your person and there are kids in your family or in the families of people that you spend time around with, you have to be so diligent. You cannot ever leave. You cannot ever leave a loaded gun unsecure yeah. or out of, you Correct. cannot because to say, oh, well, that kid couldn't pull the trigger or they couldn't find it. I'm here to tell you, kids seem to have a knack for finding everything they're not supposed to find. Yeah. So if you don't feel comfortable, then don't go down that road. There are so many other ways that you can protect yourself outside of a firearm. I will say personally, I choose to protect myself with a firearm. Oh, I do too. I mean, that's that's my number one. Um, the second is a flare, and that's why I was wanting to wait to bring it up here because there, there's a couple mindsets when it comes to self-defense. So, you know, if you've pre-thought through, like, let's talk about your home for just a minute. If you're in your home, um, if you have a gun sitting by your front door, um, something happens in your yard, and you decide to use that firearm – there's a gray area there. It's kind of tricky. Um, that's why a lot of a lot of self-defense instructors are going to say, um, get a fire extinguisher, um, a ball bat, something that isn't thought through. Those are those are things you can find in your home, right? right? Because if you have something, even even if it is a, a pepper ball yeah. gun, that means that you have stopped premeditated and, and thought through. Right. If somebody comes here, I'm going to have to put them down, yeah. and that can kind of get you in trouble. And so most people that don't feel comfortable carrying firearms, um, this is a second device that's going to definitely scare people away. And, and with a flare, as it's as it's <laughs> rip-roaring and you point it at their face, um, if they're coming to you with a firearm, though, there's there's not a whole lot. Right. You need a firearm to, to combat that. But not everyone has firearms. And some people we're seeing are coming, uh, people with knives and, and different devices. And so having a flare, whether it be for humans or... Depending on your wilderness situation, flares are also a great thing to scare away animals as well that may be approaching or, or attacking you. So trying to attack you, right. shall I say. So, you know, a flare has multiple uses. Um, you can even boil. You can hold it and use it as your fire if you needed to. However, don't rely on that for your fire. <laughs> but um, a flare has multiple uses and self-defense could be one of them. Absolutely. And other things people uh, keep in their vehicles would maybe be, uh, there's clubs you can buy for your car that are just for your car. Uh, maybe it's just a small baseball bat. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I actually like to keep a machete in my vehicle, not really for self-defense, but I absolutely could use it for that if I needed to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think though that what most people probably need 
is mace. Mace. If yeah. they're if they're if they're really nervous about carrying a firearm, which yeah. is great, that means they're knowledgeable. Yeah. That that's really good. Self aware. Self aware. The people that are like, oh, I don't care, I'll have one, and they they give no respect to it and practice with it. Those are the people that scare me the most. Uh-huh. But to have mace, uh, there is mace out there today that the mace you can buy today is is so powerful. Um, I get people will say, well, I mean, people on drugs, it doesn't phase them. Majority of the people that we're talking about, you're coming in contact with in these crazy scenarios, they are so terrified and scared and they're so panicked that they're not thinking rationally. Right. Mace is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Mace is going to wake them up um, to pay attention to knock off what they're doing. So um, from bear, you can get, get the big bear spray all the way down to design just to, to conceal. Um that would be a great option for, for people. Yeah, and I know some women today like to carry tasers. Yeah. Um, the problem with tasers that people can carry now is that it's it's hand-to-hand. Yeah. And so you have to be prepared to physically make contact with these people if you're going to use a taser. It isn't like the police have where you can shoot prongs out several feet. Most tasers that are consumer-grade that you can get your hands on, you have to be in contact with this person. And it, it may be a good way if they make contact with you to, to break that contact if you hit them with that. Um, but that that is an option as well. Something that, that I, I want to say is if you have a firearm in your vehicle, please don't leave it in your vehicle overnight. I know a lot of people will say, well, I locked the door and nobody's yeah, going to go around that. Right. Well, what ends up happening is someone gets in your vehicle and steals your firearm. And now your responsibility of the firearm that you purchased legally is now in the hands of someone else that is going to use it for something bad just because you were irresponsible. So please, yeah. even if you think, oh, it's locked up, it's locked up. Nobody's... Firearms get stolen out of vehicles. I think it actually might be the number one place they get it, stolen from. That's what I was is gonna, out of vehicles. That's what I was going to share. I don't have the stat, but more stolen from vehicles than they are from homes. Right. Yeah. So don't just leave your firearm in your vehicle. You are responsible for that. You should be with it all the time. That is the responsibility. Um, this isn't an awesome, this isn't the best way because people don't always uh, take care of their money. But if you have, you know, four let's say five $100 bills folded up. If you wouldn't leave that out, like wherever you put your money, like right. like if you're not leaving that money out, then you shouldn't be putting your firearm there either. Right. And, and treat it as such. Like it needs to be on you. Um, if it's in your vehicle, it needs to be so hidden that someone can't get it. But then that takes away from, well, that's it's not really productive for you. Yeah, you it's not productive it. yeah. for you to get out when you need it. So that's why it's really better to keep it on person and then lock it up uh, whenever you need to. However, though, another device I'm thinking of, we didn't have this down, but most vehicles, well, not most, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. I'm thinking boats, um, fire extinguishers. You can buy a fire extinguisher for your vehicle. And A, that's going to help you. If you're in one of these collisions or, or whatever could happen and you have a fire, you're going to use it. But it is also great for self-defense. Um, those things will shoot several feet. Yeah. And as you are hitting them with it, it causes disorientation, confusion, um, depending on if you're hitting them in the face or not. Um, it can shut them down and keep them from coming at you and you, enough for you to get away. And so – and it – it keeps that distance too. Yeah. You and know? they have yeah small car they have, version sizes. They do, and saying. so that's something that you really should already have in your vehicle. You know, of um, all of all the areas that we've just talked about, um, the the one that probably is I'll call it the most eye rollable area is the self defense area because a lot of people like to believe, well, that's what's in the news. That can never happen to me. Well, I'm here to tell you, it happens more today than ever if you watch some of the crazy things that is happening in America in our cities near us you'll just be driving down the road and people are stopping their car and two three four guys are jumping out running to the car behind them that you that you're in because you stopped because they stopped and bashing out windows they may pull you out of the car and take your car or they may just take everything that's inside of it I want to be ready to defend myself from that. And and I'm not saying that just to try to strike fear in everyone. My point is we should be prepared for bad. We should be prepared for it because I pray that it never happens to anybody that ever lays ears on the Men's Be Outdoors podcast or either of our families, Ben. Yeah. 
But if you're not ready, then you're not ready. You're not. You know, if when I'm by myself, I'll just share my mindset with everybody real quick. When I'm by myself, um, I'm not real wrapped up in self-defense because I'm going to find a way to get out of there. I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm not the hero. I'm not trying to take somebody down. I'm, I'm getting to safety. I'm running. I'm driving. I'm getting, I'm getting away. I'm not there to take down the threat. I'm not being paid to take down the threat. If I'm responsible in that moment for others, no matter what capacity that is, whether I'm guiding, whether I'm driving a bus, uh, my family's with me. When I'm responsible for the people with me, now I move into some of these areas that we just discussed mm-hmm. um, to allow them more time to to get away and, and to do what I need to do. And so in self-defense, well, actually all this, everything we've talked about, it does depend on how many people are traveling with you and the age. How old are they, right? And lastly, in the topic, especially knowing how old they are is the hygiene side that I want to talk about. You know, don't forget the diapers for the young ones. Don't forget the diapers maybe for the old ones. But the in-between, what are you going to do? Um, think through some of that. Think through, Are you? do you have devices? Do you have extra bottles that you could pee in if you can't get out of your vehicle? If you are getting out of your vehicle and you're in the city, um, you, you have your car to the left of you and a car to the right. What do you have with you that you can maybe use to go to the restroom in? Um, if you can't get out of your car and other people's in there with you, you don't want to be around a bunch of people's feces. And so thinking through some of that, um, I carry trash bags in every backpack I have and every vehicle I have. I have trash bags and I'm talking about the 55 gallon trash bags. I won't go into details, but I'm going to tell you that you can use that for so many different things and for for bathrooms, it's great. Mm-hmm. It would work for what I'm telling you is is you have a trash bag, um, you could use it. And you can also use that trash bag as a poncho as well if you need one. I wouldn't use them both <laughs> at the same time. But I'm telling you there's multiple uses for a trash bag. Um, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody to take a bucket and a lid and all this stuff to try to make their own bathroom um, because hopefully most of the time you'll be able to get out, go outside somewhere. But I'm thinking inner city. I'm thinking I'm stuck on this freeway. There is nowhere to go. I'm not. I'm not just gonna go do that out in the road. I'm like I'm gonna let kids do that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna control that. And that's one option out of more that we could talk about. Absolutely. You know, I want to share a couple of real stories here to to wrap up, just to kind of drive this home that we should be preparing, and that this is real everyday life that we that we are preparing for, not yeah. just the most extreme situation. Uh, maybe some of the listeners remember. Back in 2022, this is on Interstate 95 in Virginia, they had a snowstorm. It was predicted to hit later in the day than it hit, and the interstate was packed with people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about 20 or 30 cars, thousands of vehicles and thousands and thousands of people were trapped for over 30 hours, Mm -hmm. so well over a day. And I can remember the interviews afterwards of people talking like, well, we had nothing. And then I loved hearing the people that were like, you know what? We keep a case of water and a loaf of bread in our trunk. Mm -hmm. And what they were doing, they were providing for other people. And then you had this like bartering system, truck drivers, because semi-trucks, a lot of times they keep like lots of food in their cabs if they're overnighters. They were like trading with other people giving food away. There was this whole system going on. But the point is the people that had prepared were having to provide for the other people. And I'm sure it was not a fun 30 hours. The least fun part of it all would have been if you were someone that had nothing, no one knew how long they were going to have to be out there. They didn't know if it was going to be 72 hours, five days. They had no idea how long it was going to be. They eventually got out there, but that was just because a snowstorm hit a little earlier than they thought it was going to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the weatherman's not wrong very often, but... Whatever. <laughs> He's the only one gets paid to be wrong all the time. So you could count on that, but you never know. You never, you never know. know when that when that's going to happen. After I wrote the outline for this podcast last week, people were stranded across in the United States. This happened again, not this extreme where it was thousands, but there was right. like 20 or 30 cars stranded Man. again. Yeah. Happened in Missouri. It, it happens every single year. It could be you. Another one I want to share is that this is this is a uh, non-winter example. This mm-hmm. just happened back in September. It was in New Hampshire. A man from Maine 
slid his car off a muddy embankment. And because it was so steep and where his car was hidden, he couldn't get out of his car. He was trapped inside of it. And nobody could see him. And after two full days, two full days, 48 hours, they finally found him. Not sure how they found him or what he had. Just an example of just a rain and some mud. You could be sliding off a road somewhere. Mm -hmm. And in the situation where you need some water and food to survive a couple days until you're rescued. Yeah. Real life. It happens all the time. I want to give you a quick recap, and then I, I want to give a few tips. Um, I really do hope that everyone listening has a safe safe holiday, safe vacation, safe traveling. Um, and we're not we're not sharing all this to, to scare you. We really want just to be alert, to be awake, yeah. think through. Um, you may not want to take everything that we're telling you to take, but take what works for you and your family. If you're traveling a long distance, you might want to take more than we're telling Correct. you to take. Correct, yes. Yeah, you may need more. Um, but a quick recap, I mean, take extra clothing or blankets, take a tarp. If you don't want to take a tarp, take some rain gear, a poncho, take a cooler with water, or you can fill up jugs of water. You know, if you want to go the cheap route, when you're done with your milk, clean it out, mm-hmm. fill it with water, throw it in, take snacks, take a jump box. Do be thinking about how many am I traveling with? What are the ages? You know, when I'm talking about younger kids, I love to take cards. I love to take coloring books because in a, in a, we talked about signal earlier. Um, not everyone's going to take spray paint, but spray paint is an awesome thing to have. I leave it in my truck and one of the, the boxes that I have back there. Um, if you needed to spray paint help, if you needed to write on top of your car, I mean, you think about your coloring book and the, the markers you may take, you may need to make a, a flag or a page that says help and you may hang it on your antenna. That may be the tallest thing. Like, have something that you can signal with. Um, we've talked about many. Um, you know, think about those kids, taking them snacks, drinks, a place for them to, to use the bathroom when they need to. That's really important. Some other tips real quick. I always carry a small shovel. I leave it in the bed of my truck. I've had to dig out before. You may you may physically be like, Ben, there's no way I'm digging myself out. Then don't take a shovel. But I do. I have that. Um, I'm always taking small tools with me. We always have our EDC carry from our pliers to... Um, fair rods to um, all those things. But I think the tips I want to leave here is is when you, in the event that you get in a survival situation like we're talking here, stay with your vehicle. More people are found at their vehicles than they are when they leave them and they're out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. So stay with that vehicle. It is your first line of shelter. There are so many things you can find within it if you really had to. Um, take what you need, you know, they're going to tell you this is this is some of our um, some of the government pages you're going to read. If you are in those really really cold temperatures, when you start your vehicle on, run that heater for ten minutes and then kick the whole vehicle off. Don't let it just run and run and run. Mm-hmm. And anytime you have your vehicle on, if you're trapped in snow, I mean you do have to be careful with with the fumes that may be coming in the car. You may have to crack your windows or don't turn your car on and let it run. Um, anytime that you're using your car though, like if you turn your key over. If it's draining the battery, I would prefer my car to be running if I'm going to be using the heater or the lights. Um, but be careful that you don't get carbon um, monoxide poisoning in yes. some of those some of those things. So, um, I guess my last tip is somebody needs to stay awake at all times. And so, if there's multiple in your vehicle, you do need to take turns sleeping. Someone needs to be awake to pay attention to other people around you, or if you do help, hear help coming, uh, they can be alert to that to wake you guys up to to yell, to scream, to to be ready. So, not everybody should be sleeping at one time. Take turns, um, be alert, be awake, and uh, I guess actually one more thing that's coming to me is if you are in this situation where there's a lot of people around you and everyone's trapped and everyone's scared, be that leader, be that person that other people needs. Um, bring calm, bring um, love. You know, when everyone's all wanting to fight and hurt each other in those moments, that does no good for anyone. So have a caring heart, take what you need, plan ahead and prepare, have a safe holiday. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of a caring heart, we have three favors we would like to ask of you. It is the season of giving. It is the holidays. We would hope that you could just take a couple simple moments to help the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. The first and simplest thing that you can do is tell someone about us. If you have ever listened to an episode and thought of a person, man, they would sure 
enjoy this. Or, man, they needed to hear this message. Please share it with them. We have several people that have come to us and been like, hey, someone just told me about you, and I, I listened. We are so thankful for that. That is the best way for a podcast to grow is for other people to tell other people about it. So please do that. That is the easiest, cheapest, least effort one you can do. Please do that for us. Second, to get up in the search engines and the podcast boards, we need people to leave reviews and write comments on whatever podcast platform you listen, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google, Audible, whatever it is, please leave us a, li- a rating and review. Thank you to everyone that has. If you haven't yet, just takes a, f- I mean, I don't even think it takes a minute. You can do it really quickly. As soon as this episode's over, please do that for us. Lastly, if you have, I know, I know times are tough. It is tough out there. We have people they give to our show. Um, honestly, it is the only reason that we have been able to get into the hundreds and thirties here in, in our episode count. Yeah, yeah. Um, because we have people that pay us enough that they pay for all the hundreds and hundreds of dollars that we spend on equipment and hosting platforms. If there is any way that you could be a Patreon member and just give $5 a month, we would be so so grateful, us and our families, that we would get to continue to share the messages that God puts on our hearts and to share our passions with the world and anyone that God leads to listen to our show. The best way to do that, if you go to our Facebook or Instagram, there's a link. And if you click on that link tree link, it will give you a box and you just click on the Patreon box. It'll take you right to it and you can just fill it all out um, and just know. uh, Thank you beforehand. If you do give i think the top amount is 25 Uh, we'll send you one of our meant to be outdoors podcast hats that you can wear around your family and friends to to show that you're a listener and a fan as well we love and are so thankful for everyone that listens if you do one of those extra three favors well we love you just a little more (laughs) (laughs) no i'm just kidding we love everyone equally and we are so thankful for everybody that is going to be it for this episode of the meant to be outdoors podcast feel free to follow along on our social media facebook instagram and tiktok We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Between now and that time, we hope that you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.